the Royal Marines, Fall True Commando. Don't connect forces. Simon, how old were you when you joined the Marines? 16. That's very young, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there was, it was quite um, quite common then, really. I think the earliest you could join was 15 and a half. Really? Um, they, yeah. They and then they got to 16. I know. <laughs> hey, I know what year was that then, when you were 16? Uh, 87. I'm trying to work out how old you are. When I joined. Um, there was quite a lot of people who, who joined really early on. And it, they used to have junior troops and training because you had to be 17 to be kind of considered a grown-up Marine. So from 16 years old, Simon, how do you go to a human intelligence operative? Give us a potted history of the journey. Um, I joined with no qualifications. Um, school and myself didn't get on. And I was, yeah, I was invited to leave a few times. Let's put it that way. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I got my qualifications in the Marines because it wasn't till there that it, the penny dropped that I needed qualifications to get up the ranks etc so that gave me motivation and kind of sense of purpose and then i found out that i could get a degree so i studied sports psychology this is while you're yeah. in the marines right yeah, oh, yeah 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 so they paid for it all which is great <laughs> yeah very nice. happy days yeah um so that that kind of spurred things on and i'd had an interest in hypnosis when i was a much younger kid and i read books about it and i'd seen the amazing kreskin on tv in the in the 70s and 80s and um that fascinated me so i read books and then i kind of self-taught and very badly um but that interested me in human behavior um, and how it how it was manipulated and how we are persuaded and influenced so simon just tell us what is a, a human intelligence operative what would that involve uh why it's stalking really uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, a lot of it is watching people building up a pattern of life, somebody's daily routine, weekly routine, getting information, open source, grading through people's bins, sometimes breaking into people's houses um, to get information. There's different sides to it. Uh, I was most of my work was about recruitment, really. So um, getting getting people from the other side to come over from yeah from from all walks of life to provide information or if they actually had it readily available or to go and get it and to do Lin things that we wanted. Linda, so, this is a bit like James Bond, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So when you sort of um, stalked people, as you say, um, <laughs> been through their bins, been through their bins. <laughs> Do you find it much easier to manipulate them to get to do things you want them to do by knowing their pattern and the way that their mind works? Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. there's lots of levels to it. But yes, it, it gives you an insight into who they are, how they live their life, what they do, what their preferences are. And also, if you, the idea is to get as much information as possible. So are there any, you know, do they gamble? Do they drink? Do they do drugs? Are they in so you've looked into Mike then, have you? <laughs> <laughs> You're just too sharp for your own good, Lasardi. <laughs> what a great life. So, would you be called a spook? Would that be right? You're a bit of a spook. Um, well, I'd be called worse. Simon Marion. Oh, let me guess. Maid Marion? Maid, yeah. Guess? Okay, here's the question then. Have you done this role in very dangerous environments around the world? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Um, and a lot of the time I worked alone for a lot of the stuff. Um, people in the background were not necessarily close by, but a lot of it was just fitting into the environment you're in and making yourself blend in so that you just you know whatever role you've got to play to gather the information you need and make, make that person feel comfortable in your company. Yeah, ultimately is the end of the game. You're a white, middle-aged man in certain <laughs> countries, I guess. More difficult, Yes, it's challenging sometimes. And that's where it, it varies depending on the organisation you're working for as to what information you get up front or whether you have to build the whole thing yourself. Sometimes you're, you're, you're slotting into something else that's already going and you're, you're given a big file of stuff of information and then you go and do the, 
you figure out how you introduce yourself and and use this information to for whatever purpose it's been uh, been gathered for. So do you have to be really controlled with your own personality and and hold things back so that people don't realize who you are, yeah, you know, to get into people's psyche? You don't give anything personally away, only within the confines of, of whatever cover you're you're working under. Cuz I I mean I've read about you and I just can't believe that you had three separate kidnappings. That he survived. Yeah, survived three ki- I mean, who kidnapped you? Well, I got kidnapped twice in Nigeria. First time was I mean, the, the, the kind of the moment of capture is is pretty terrifying. Um, how how the, do they manifest? Was it bag over the head and in the boot, or you know, uh, no, lots of guns um, shoved in your face and shouting and screaming, uh, getting knocked to the floor, thrown into the back of a boat and up a river into the swamps of Nigeria. But that 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 was that was more of a political statement on that one because when they when they actually got to the village that they were holding us in, they actually said, "Listen, our problem's not with you. We just nobody's going to hurt you." They gave me a uh, a mattress to sleep on, mosquito net, malaria tablets. Fed me three times a day because water was in the, the water that was more valuable and, and more expensive than the cheap Nigerian beer called Star Beer, which is horrible stuff, even when it's cold. I've and had I got, it in Lagos. Uh, yeah, well, I drank that warm for nine days. Ooh, wow, a, a horrendous hangover. Apart from being the initial capture piece, the rest of it was actually pretty, was actually pretty good. The capture piece must have been absolutely terrifying. I mean, how, how do you yeah. deal with that? Does training kick in, Simon? It does. You know, the British military is is exceptionally good at, at training people for this sort of thing. But you, until it actually happens, you never really know how you're going to respond. I was unarmed. They had lots of weapons. So it's a fairly persuasive argument to do as you're told. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Simon, all that drinking of that star beer sounds like an 1830 holiday then in the swamp. The second one was different. <laughs> what do you mean they had a mattress? <laughs> <laughs> no, no mattress on the second one. Uh, yeah, look, we know this is serious, Simon, but we just want to imagine you snooping around, going through people. People's bins, having a chat with Miss Money Penny. So we gotta play the James Bond theme tune. Well, <laughs> Move over, Daniel Craig. Simon Marion's the next James Bond for us. <laughs> <laughs>
fantastic. The James Bond theme tune by John Barry on Connect Forces from Great British Radio. And I bet it's just like that, isn't it, Simon Marion? It's definitely like nothing like that. I know, I, I know, I know. But um, you were kidnapped three times. Tell us about the second kidnapping. That was very different. That was criminal activity. They were just thugs drinking taking drugs they got fed up and very annoyed with us when they weren't getting paid quick enough and it lasted 35 days in total which is you know more than some less than others wow what part of the um, world was this simon that was nigeria again you weren't alone thing. there was more than just yourself you weren't on your there own four other people was this a ransom situation yes but one was more of a political statement to get money whereas this was just criminal activity just to get money why had they targeted you because they're always inside jobs the place i was i was i was actually on board a ship off the coast of the Niger Delta and some of the people on the ship weren't very nice to the local crew so they feed information back on shore and then these guys go right these are easy targets we'll get these guys because these treat the locals very badly actually you know verbally and, and, and psycho just really just abusive um, and then I, I got caught up in the mix of it did you say that was 35 days yeah and what was the outcome was the money paid and you were released how did that work what yeah money was paid in the end but yeah. it was it took longer than they they wanted so the more fed up they got and frustrated the more they drank the more they took drugs and the more they took it a frustration out on us yeah and i've just read a book simon the guy said in this it was a military guy said that the best thing to do is escape very early in a kidnap situation if you can 100 percent. if you can yes that's your best chance of you know escape and survival is to get away as quickly as possible how out of 10 were you in fear of your life did you did you think every day they were going to finishes today or well the last week it was a 10 every day 100 percent. really yeah. <sighs> yeah they were doing mock executions and they were getting when they were drunk they were kind of getting machetes and they were beating you with the with the, the flat side of it and the, the state they're in if just one little slip and they'd have taken a limb off or taken a big chunk out of you but daily beatings and mock executions so yeah and did, it, did all four of you stay mentally together throughout of that i helped each other out really yeah um that gave me my focus, actually, because trying to keep everybody else together helped keep me together. So pretty unpleasant. And so all. you've used so much of, of what happened to you in your time in the military. And then when you came out of the military, you were still working in the human intelligence arm. And I know that you do these keynote motivational and inspirational talks, and you've done it for so many amazing clients, uh, you know, UK military, the FBI, New York Police Department, NYPD hostage negotiation team, and you've written books as well, haven't you? I have, yeah. Tell us about that part of your life. Well, all, all of this stuff kind of really helped me because I was working as a contractor. I would have time in between tasks to do my own thing. So I, I developed a, a therapeutic process because I, I got very much into the therapy side of things as well over the last 20 odd years. So I created this process that was kind of I cherry picked all the, the simplest techniques that I found that worked for, for myself. And then I shared them with other people. And I used them in, in, in kind of the therapy and in coaching. Uh, and even on training courses for people who were kind of getting a bit stressed out for whatever reason. So I created this process that was what got the charity started. That was the kind of the drive and the thrust behind in the, in the direction that it went. And it was because it was about it's called the immediate care process. And it was about doing exactly that. The system, unfortunately, as you're well aware, mental health in the UK is uh, <laughs> overworked, underpaid, under-resourced uh, and kind of swamped. And I, I feel for people who work in mental health in the NHS because they're, you know, they need their service as much as they, their patients do with a level of work. But the system does its assessment. You wait for an assessment and you wait for treatment. 
And in the UK, a couple of years ago, psychological therapy, there was a two and a half year waiting list in some parts of the UK, which when you've got people who are toes on the edge of suicide, you know, it's not workable. Mm-hmm. So started the charity for veterans and uniform services to provide that immediate care. So give them these tools to help them self-regulate, to balance them out and get them back on an even keel. Then you can do a more effective assessment and then plan their treatment accordingly. What's the charity called, Simon? Icarus. Icarus. So, As in I the Greek myth. Website. It's icaruscharity.org. What does somebody like you, who's at the sharp end of human intelligence, you know, who's sat in a swamp fearing for his life daily for 35 days, what's your sort of relaxation? How do you unwind? As, as much as I can, I spend time with my wife and kids. Oh, yeah. Well, of course you do, Simon. And anything else? I like wine. I really like wine. You deserve to like wine. <laughs> <laughs>
The champion Simon Marion, a veteran of the Royal Marines on Connect Forces. Yeah, tell you what, Ed, it is a bit early for that glass of wine, but what a great song on Great British Radio. And this is Connect Forces with Linda, Andy and myself, Mike, a.k.a. Stoker Osmond. We've been hearing how Simon was kidnapped three times. I want to know about the third kidnap. Oh, so dozy, Linda. Well, you can't leave the audience. Well, leave you hanging. Okay, the third one was in the most unexpected place was Sweden. Um, and it turned, it was a, a mafia in the islands east of Stockholm. And the individual I was working with uh, had noticed that he was being followed. So I did some kind of surveillance and checked out what he was saying was true. And it turned out it was. And I was doing checks around the house, which is surrounded by woods. So I was checking around the back of the house and there were people there behind his house. They had weapons. I went back to the car, phoned the office, um, told them what was happening. And I got nabbed. I got a good, good old-fashioned kicking, um, thrown into the back of a van with two guys with weapons, uh, and I had to bail out the back because the, the, they didn't hood me, they didn't tie me up or cuff me or anything, so I was pretty sure that it was going to be a, a one-way ride. Oh, my goodness. So man. I bailed out the back with the guy nearest the door, um, and his head hit the road quite heavily, um, and he didn't move, but rolled, and I ended up dislocating my shoulder again, knackering my knee, and I just ended up crawling into the woods off the side of the road. And there was traffic going up and down the road, so they they couldn't really stop and wait and look for me. So they just did really a cursory search, shining light into the woods. But I'd, I'd gone about 50 metres into the woods, and that was it. I had to make my way back to uh, to, to the car and see if I could uh, see, oh. if it, see if it was still there. Basically, Simon, yeah. How long do you wait when you're somewhere in this wood? You know, they're looking for you. You can see the torchlight and stuff like. That. How long do you wait before you think it's safe for you to then try and get back to some sort of safety? I heard the van drive off, uh, but I didn't know whether they just kind of driven up the road and were waiting. So I waited about an hour and there was, there was nothing. And then I came out of the woods at a different spot that I went in, uh, checked for a little while just to make sure there was nothing up the road or down the road and, and then hobbled my way back to where the car was. Gosh. Uh, it's like there is silence from Linda and I. I can't, I can't quite believe what I'm hearing. I really can't. I just, yeah. in our lives, you just don't know anything about what's going on out there. It's just terrifying. There's a lot goes on that, that never makes, makes the press. People tend to want to keep these things quiet especially if it's a family member, you know, if somebody is kind of high net worth and it's like South America or the Far East, it's it's very common. Have you um, read about all this in your books? I'm, I'm working on it. That's the next one. Yeah, well, we can't wait for that, Simon. But the other books that you have are more about sort of mindfulness, that, that immediate fix, the tools needed. Is that correct? Yeah, the first one was how to create a lifestyle that keeps you, keeps you healthy mentally and physically, uh, about nutrition and exercise and, and mental ex, mental techniques to, to keep, you know, keep you on track and keep you focused. The second one was about the immediate care process. So it's more like a self-help book. Some people can't go on a course. So I put it out in book form so that as many people can get it as possible and just learn these really simple techniques because they are just ridiculously simple. And what, what's it's it called? The immediate care process. Well, I think I'll be getting that. My goodness me. Well, after, after this, maybe. There you go. Oh. <laughs> we have spoken to many people on the Connect Forces show. Linda will verify this, but this is one of the most incredible stories. Most shocking we've heard. Yeah, you I just mean, don't normally hear from people like you. You say you're writing about it now. Are you putting a dramatisation of your time in the forces then? Oh, crikey. Uh, no idea. I'll see how things go, I guess. I mean... There's a, definitely that, a film in there, isn't there? That would be amazing. Simon, will you uh, do us a favour? When this book comes out, come back and chat to us. We could talk for hours. 
Because <laughs> it's just mind-blowing what we've heard from you. Thanks so much for joining us on Connect Forces. Good luck with the new book, Simon. Thank um, you. And thanks for telling us about Icarus, another very important mental health resource for veterans. For immediate care, assessment and rehabilitation for those in or ex-uniform services and their families. Go to IcarusCharity.org. And Simon, we're going to have to find a Bond song for you. Not yeah, what's your favourite Bond song? Favourite Bond song? Oh, my God. That's a good question. Goldfinger! Yes. <laughs> that was pretty good, to be fair. That's it. We're going to play that right now yes. for you, Simon Marion. Thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Linda. Sorry to Dame Shirley Bassey, by the way. Gas today at 2 p.m. right here on Great British Radio. Joining me this week is the fabulous Stephen Bowman from Blake, the three-piece vocal harmony group who've stunned audiences all around the world with their unique brand of classical crossover. 
So That Classical Guest with me, Joanna Forrest, only on Great British Radio.